the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. As we abide in Jesus and stay connected to Him, He produces Christ-likeness in us. And again, all we've got to do is that one thing is abide in Him. We don't have to strive in our flesh. We don't have to strain to be more like Jesus. We just abide in Him and He makes us more like Himself. Isn't that wonderful? Aren't you glad for that? That you don't have to work at being more like Jesus and strive? Do you put pressure on yourself to work at being good? This can be discouraging, as it seems the harder you try, the farther away from good you get. Thankfully, God doesn't expect us to will ourselves into being good Christians. Just by abiding in Him, the fruit of the Spirit will be evident in your life. It's much simpler than many of us make it to be. In today's message, Pastor Dan will teach about the fruit of the Spirit and what it means to abide in Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of John, chapter 15, for today's edition of Ring of Truth. is only good for bearing fruit. And that's it. And Jesus compares us to a grapevine. What does that say about us? In the context here, the grapevine is a picture of our lives, and our lives are only good for producing fruit for God and nothing else that will matter in eternity. We're good for nothing except for bearing fruit. And we can't produce that fruit ourselves. The only way we can produce that fruit is by abiding in Jesus Christ. And what is the fruit? What is the fruit that he wants to produce in our lives? Well, turn with me over to Galatians chapter 5, and I'll show you what that fruit is. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22. But the fruit, there's that word, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the fruit the Lord wants to produce in each of our lives. He wants to produce love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And what is that a description of? That's a description of Jesus. Jesus is all those things. So you understand that the fruitfulness that he wants to produce in our lives is Christ-likeness. Christ 
likeness. As we abide in Jesus and stay connected to Him, He produces Christ-likeness in us. And again, all we've got to do is that one thing, is abide in Him. We don't have to strive in our flesh. We don't have to strain to be more like Jesus. We just abide in Him and He makes us more like Himself. Isn't that wonderful? Aren't you glad for that? That you don't have to work at being more like Jesus and strive. and You just abide in Jesus and, and He will naturally make us more like Him. He'll produce Christ's likeness in us. Now go back to chapter 15, verse 6. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. Again, you can picture in your mind a branch on the ground probably laying in your backyard right now that's just laying there. It's no longer connected to the tree and it's withered. It's rotting. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Now there is a great deal of debate surrounding verse 6. And the debate is this. Is verse 6 talking about a believer or a non-believer? If it's talking about a believer, then the question is, how can a believer be cast into the fire and burned? That that sounds like someone losing their salvation. If, If we're saved, we're saved from judgment. But if it's talking about a non-believer, why does Jesus earlier in the chapter, why does he call that that branch as he describes it as a branch in me back in verse two? a branch in me, a branch that's in Christ. If they're in Christ, how can they be a non-believer? If it's a branch attached to the vine, how can it not be a believer then, a believer in Christ? At the same time, this branch is not bearing fruit. A believer abiding in Christ will bear fruit. So, And it kind of goes back and forth. And people have filled chapters and books trying to show who, verse 6, is talking about a believer or a non-believer. And listen, here's the thing, here's the thing. The important thing is make sure verse 6 isn't talking about you. Whoever it's talking about, make sure it's not talking about you. Don't live in the gray area in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't live in the gray area. Abide in Christ. Bear fruit. And then you don't have to worry about verse 6. Because it's not talking about you then. So, verse 7. If you abide in me and my word, now look what he says, and my word abides in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. So first Jesus talked about abiding in him. Now he says, let my word abide in in you. And again, uh, you know, he says we're abiding in Christ. And his word is abiding in us. Remember that word abide, it has the idea of of settling down in, remaining, not moving from, like living in your home. God's word should have a deep, settled place in us. It should abide in us. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I love the New Living Translation of that verse. It says, let it fill your life. Let the word of Christ fill. Fill your life. Let the Word of God fill your life. And I want to challenge us today, myself included. I want to challenge you and I want to challenge myself to make the Word of God 
the single most influential thing in your life. More than the news, more than social media, more than Facebook and Instagram, make the Word of God the most influential thing in your life. Let the Word of God abide in you more than anything else. Live in the Word, settle in the Word, remain in the Word more than anything else. Fill your life with the Word of God. And if you do, look at the promise in the rest of verse 7. If you abide in Christ and you allow His Word to abide in you, you will have an effective prayer life. You will have an effective prayer life. You will ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you. What a promise that is. Abiding in the Word will make your prayer life more effective than it is. How so? Because as I'm abiding in the Word, I come to know God's character, I come to know His nature, and that then affects how I pray, and I begin to pray according to His character. And my prayers start to line up with His character. I start to pray according to His will and not my will. And so our prayer life becomes more effective as I'm abiding in the Word. If you want your prayer life to improve, get in the Word of God. And spend time in the Word of God. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. The purpose of fruit bearing is to bring glory to God. Again, just as a garden Uh, that bears much fruit, brings glory to the gardener. You know, everybody praises the gardener for the beautiful fruit they've produced in their garden. We bring glory to God by bearing much fruit. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in in his love. How, how do we abide in God's love? We, by keeping his commandments. Abiding is obeying. And what does he command us to do? What does Jesus command us to do? Well, he tells us down in verse 12 this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. He commands us to love one another just as he loved us sacrificially, unconditionally. And we abide in Him by obeying His commands. Look at verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that, look what he says, my joy may remain in you. That sounds great. That my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus here is talking about wanting to impart His joy to His disciples. That my joy may remain in you so that your joy may be full. He's talking about my joy. Do you remember what he's doing right now? Do you remember where he's going? He's actually walking to Gethsemane, where he's going to be arrested. By noon the next day, he's, he's going to be so brutalized, he's not even going to look like a human being. And he's going to be hanging on a cross, and all of the sins of the world are going to be put upon him, and he's going to be punished and judged for the sins of the world as a substitutionary sacrifice for us to atone for our sins. That, that, that's just hours away for him at this point. And he's talking about joy. His joy. He's not talking about dread. He's not talking about anguish. He's not talking about fear. He's talking about joy. How can he be talking about joy right now? 
He, he, he has joy, listen, because he's right at the center of God's will. He is doing exactly what the Father wanted him to do. And he is right in the middle of the Father's will, walking in obedience to the Father. And there is joy and peace that comes from being in God's will, from just knowing that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, even when you're facing terrible circumstances, horrible circumstances and situations. As long as you are in God's will and walking in His ways, there will be a peace that passes understanding that will rule in your heart and mind in the midst of all of that. You see so many examples of that in the Scriptures. Remember Paul, Acts 27, they're in the storm on the ship on the Mediterranean Sea. Everybody's fearing that they're going to die. Everybody's freaking out. The ship is literally, literally breaking apart. If you read the passage in Acts 27, they have to lower ropes down over the bow of the ship to try to hold the, hold the whole thing together. The whole thing's coming apart. And Paul stands up, and what does Paul say? It's going to be okay. I've been with the Lord. The Lord spoke to me. We're not going to die. We're going to make it. He's got this peace. Everybody else is you know, ready to jump ship because everything's coming apart. And, and Paul, though, he's got this peace. Everything's going to be okay. Why? I've been with the Lord. Jesus here is walking in the Father's will. He's on his way to the cross and he's talking about his joy. He's got joy. And it's a joy he wants to give us. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth radio ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. Look at verse 12 again. He says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. The greatest demonstration of love was the cross. God's love for us. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. He calls us friends. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. A master would never tell these things to his servants, only to his friends. Verse 16, I love verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Jesus chose us. We didn't choose him. He chose us. He chose you. He chose me. And, and he knew what he was getting when he chose us. Right? He knew our hang-ups. He knew our struggles. He knew our issues. And yet he still chose us. Knowing all of that. Just amazing. 
Gail Irwin says that this is the only point that he questions God's judgment on, right? That he would choose me. I read that verse, I think about, you know, it doesn't matter, right? Having verse 16, having Jesus say, I chose you, you didn't chose me. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about us. It doesn't matter what you think about you. Jesus chose you. You know, maybe no one else would choose you. Maybe you always get passed over. Maybe you always get rejected. Maybe you were the last one picked in dodgeball when you were in elementary school. It doesn't matter. The most important person in the universe chose you. The most important person in the universe universe said, I want that guy on my team. I choose you. He values us. No one else may value you, but he values you. That's all that matters. So now we come to verse 18, and we're almost finished here. But verse 18 now, he gives a warning to his disciples. And here's the warning for us, too. If you abide in Jesus, as we're supposed to, if you abide in Jesus and you abide in his word, and you bear the fruit of Christ's likeness, guess what? You can expect some haters. If you abide in Jesus, you abide in His Word, you're bearing the fruit of Christ's likeness, you're going to have some haters. Look at verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Hate's a pretty strong word, but that's the word that he uses here. He doesn't say people are going to strongly disagree with you or dislike you, they'll hate you. If you bear the image of Jesus Christ and the fruit of Christ's likeness, the world will hate you because the world hates Christ. Hate. Do you see what's going on with Drew Brees last couple weeks? Quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. A few weeks back, he made a public service announcement encouraging kids to take their Bible to school with them on October 3rd, which is Bring Your Bible to School Day. 22-second public service announcement. All that he said was, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things pass away, everything's made new. And then he said, I encourage you to take your Bible with you to school on October 3rd. And then he said, and share the love of God with your friends. That's it. And because of that public service announcement that Drew Brees made, there was this whole organized smear campaign that was launched against him in the media and on the internet, calling him a a hater, calling him a homophobe. Why is that? What did he do that's so wrong? Well, verse 18. If the world hates you, just remember, they hated me before they hated you. The world hates Christ. That's the issue. The world hates Christ. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. We're no longer of this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. We've been called out of this world. So now we're aliens and strangers and foreigners in this world. We don't fit in here. Aren't you glad that you've been called out of this world? It's just getting harder and harder to find a place in this world, isn't it? To fit in. 
Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep your word also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. Those who persecute believers do not know God, Jesus said. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. There's a conviction there over their sin. That's why people hate it. That's why people tried to smear Drew Brees as a hater and a homophobe. So there's the conviction over sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them these the works which now no one else did, there's no one like Jesus. Muhammad didn't do any works like Jesus. Buddha didn't do any works like Jesus. No one else has done anything like Jesus did. Conquered the grave, healed people. They would have no sin, but now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. Verse 25, But this happened that the word might be fulfilled which is written in their law. They hated me without cause. They hated Jesus without cause. Anyone who hates Jesus does it without cause. You look at his life and what he did, what is it exactly that you would hate about someone who came to help people and heal people and minister to people and ultimately to forgive their sins and to reconcile them to God? What is it about him to hate? He did nothing wrong. There's no, there's no cause for hating Jesus. And at the, you know, at the final judgment, the Bible tells us there's going to be a final judgment where Jesus will be on the great white throne and those that have rejected him will be brought before him. And they'll have no good excuse they can give for rejecting him. Because he was perfect in all of his ways. So finally, verses 26 and 27. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will testify of Me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with Me from the beginning. Now, according to the law of Moses, two witnesses were required to establish a matter as fact or true, and God has His two witnesses in the world. He's got the Holy Spirit as a witness in the world, and He's got us. He's got believers. He's got people like you and people like me who were once lost in our sin and slaves to sin, and then Jesus Christ came into our lives and He set us free from sin and He transformed our lives. And we've got the test, our testimony of what Jesus Christ has done in us to transform us and make us new creations where the old things have passed away and we're no longer slaves to sin. We've been set free and we've been given new life. So you've got the testimony of the Holy Spirit convicting people of sin, righteousness, and judgment in the world. And you've got the testimony of believers all over the world who've been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. You've got two witnesses that establishes the matter as fact. That Jesus is who He said He is. And that He can change people the way that He said He can change people. Jesus is in heaven right now preparing a place for us And we should await his return for us by just simply abiding in him and bearing much fruit for him 
to the glory of God. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. Thanks for joining Pastor Dan as he continued his verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of 1 John. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you'll be able to find it on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so you never miss an edition of this program. Every time we post something new, you'll be notified. We'd love to hear from you, too, and learn how Ring of Truth has impacted your life. Please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Please let us know how we can be praying for you, too. And if God's doing something wonderful, we'd love to rejoice with you. That number again to reach us is 410-491-4592. Do you live in the Baltimore, Washington area? If so, you're invited to join us here at Calvary Chapel this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m., for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. Find out more at our website. One more time, that's calvaryec.com. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Tune in next time to learn more from the book of 1 John with Pastor Dan, right here on Ring of Truth.